the last thing we're discussing, when the Mishnah said, Hafti it's coming to tell us that the damager only has to pay the difference of what's left. So if the animal died, the, an- the dead animal belongs to the person who was damaged, and I just have to pay the difference. Rabbi Ami learned it from Makenim Nefesh Behemai Shalimena of Kahana learned it from Yebi'ehu Aed Haterefalo Shalim and he changes it to Ad and Hiskiyah learns it from Vehameti Yelo. And the Gemara explained why we need each Pasuk. And Rav explained to Rav Kahana from the words Vehameti Yelo, I learn that. It's that the animal belongs to the one who was damaged right away. But if it went down in price, that's on the one who was damaged. The person who damaged is only liable to pay the difference of what it was worth at the time of the damage. And with that, we're going to start Yud Amud Bet. Last line, third word, which says, Lema pihat nebela tanei. Let's say this concept that if the carcass went down in price after it was uh, after it was damaged before they came to Betin, let's say it's a mahloka tanaim de tanya. We have a bright that says in regards to Shomesachar, paid watchman, im tarofi taref yebiyeu aed. That's how the pasuk ends. And the perush is, according to Nakama, the Shomer brings witnesses that it was damaged, it was out of his control, it was an honest, and he is exempt from paying. So in terms we're dealing with, the damager brings witnesses that it was not his fault, and he's exempt from paying. He brings a carcass to Betin, Aduda is a lashon of like like the spoils, like something, uh, like something worth something, like a treasure. Ovir means uh, the carcass. He brings a carcass to Betin, and they assess what it's worth, and they charge him the difference. What's a dead animal worth? What's a living animal worth? Now, my love, Ba'akam, if I get, isn't the machloket between Tanakama and Abashul as follows? The more savad that Abashul held that pihat nevelad in that if it went down in price, that's on the one who was damaged. Umor Savar and Tanakama, who said that we're talking about honest, he and you have to ring witnesses, he held the Mazikave really belongs to the damager. And that's why, according to Tanakama, we go by what it was at the time of judgment, not at the time it was damaged. And the Gemara says, Lo, that's not the Mahlokit. The Chule Alma, then he's like, everyone agrees that. We go by what it is at the time it was damaged, and if it goes down in price, that's on the, the that's on the person who was damaged. Over here, the machloket between Tanakam and Shaul is in regards to who has the headache of bringing the carcass to Betin. So when the pasuk says according to Abba Shaul, it's the it's the damager. According to Tanakama, it's the the one who was damaged. Behatanya and the Gemara brings a proof. The Ahirim Omri Minaychi Al Balat Habor the Alot Shor Miboro. How do we know that the owner of the hole has to bring the 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 bull that fell in out of the hole? Tamud Lomar Kesef Yashiv the Baala Vehamet. We're Doresh to Pasuk and we mean we're cutting the Pasuk right before it says Vehamet Yelo. We're saying Vehamet. That's where the comma is. Meaning, you give back the the money worth, and you bring back the the dead cow also to the owner. And Amad Abayyid Rava, high torch nevela hechidami. This burden of the nevela 
What are we talking about? Maybe we're talking about that in the hole, this cow is worth one, and when it reaches the top of the hole, when it's on regular land, it's worth four. Then then when the damage is pulling it out, he's dealing with his own thing. Meaning, as long as it's on the bottom, it's worth one. If this cow is worth, let's say, 10, you have to pay 9. But if you bring it up, it's now worth 4. You only have to pay 6. So you're, you're, you're working for yourself. You're trying to help yourself. So we're talking about a situation where it's worth 1 in the hole, 1 on regular ground. So the Gemara says, is or anything like that? Meaning, uh, if it's uh, if it's a dead carcass in the in the bottom of a hole, who cares about it? Which, if, uh, of course, it should be worth less. So the Gemara explains, in yes, because people say, like to say, if you buy a log of wood, whether it's in the field, whether it's in the city, it's always going to be the same zoos. Meaning, you might as well buy it in the city. You'll save uh, the headache of going back and forth. So there is such thing as uh, the cow being worth one here, one uh, up there. And Amar Shemuel, we don't assess not for the thief, for a ganav is a pickpocket, uh, so where he's not doing it in the face of the person he's dealing from. The gazlan is more armed robbery, where he's doing it in the like, face-to-face, like he's taking someone's wallet to his face. So if they stole something and it broke, we don't assess for them that they have to pay the difference. No, they have to pay the entire thing. Because only for damages, only there you pay the difference. And I, Shmuel says, I also agree with the, the person who borrowed something. Uh, also, now we don't understand what also means. And Rav agrees. So the guy has a question. When Shmuel said, did he mean to say that for a borrower we also says that he has to pay the difference? And Rav agrees to me. Or maybe that's what he's trying to say. That for a borrower he's like the thief, then you don't assess. And Rav agrees to me. So which one is it? So Tashema. So the explains. There was a guy who borrowed an axe from his friend. He broke it. He came in front of Rav and he said, how much do you have to pay? And Amr then Rav told him, Zil shilim lin you got to go pay him a full axe. Meaning, you could keep the, the broken axe, but you have to give your friend back a normal axe. Shwamina, what do you understand from Rav? And Shamin, that we don't assess for Shwamina, he doesn't pay the difference, rather he pays the whole thing. And you have to say Shmuel agrees. The Gemara says, no. Adrabah, you could say, The problem is, that when Rav Kahn and Rav Aseh heard this, uh, heard this Psaq Halakha, they, they told Rav, really, that's the Halakha? Shema it sounds like from them, that Shamin, that we do assess, and they, he does pay the difference. And Itmar, it was said, Amar Ula Amar Azar, Shamin Laganav Ul Gazlan, that we assess for the thief, uh, for the thieves, and Rav Papi Amar and Shamin, Rav Papi says we don't, he pays the difference, Ubi Hilchata and Shamin Laganav Ul Gazlan, the Halakha ends off, that we don't assess for the thieves. But when it comes to a borrower, we do assess for him, like Rav Kanan Rav answered to Rav. Now, we said a statement of Ula in the name of Rabbi Lazar that we assess for the thieves. And once we said one thing of Ula in the name of Rabbi Lazar, we're going to say more halachot, about six, seven of them. 
So this is in regards to Tum'ah of a lady who gave birth. The way it works with the lady who gives birth, if she had a boy, she any blood that she sees come out of her for the first seven days is Tameh blood. After that, she goes to the Mikveh. And although she continues seeing blood, we're going to say that is Dam Tohar. That is pure blood, meaning... Although she's seeing for almost for like thirty three days, she's going to be seeing blood. But after from day from day eight till day thirty three, she's tahor. She's allowed to be with her husband. And if it's uh, and if she had a baby girl, then for fourteen days she's tame. And after that uh, till day uh, sixty six, she is in that uh, middle stage. Dam tohar. She has blood coming out of her, but she is considered tahor. And the same idea in regards to a lady who gave birth to an amniotic sac, meaning a sac where the baby sits in when it's in the mommy's stomach. So if she just gave birth to a sac, it's as if she gave birth. Well, where's the baby? We can't see the baby. The baby probably got crushed somewhere over there, and that's why uh, she uh, she's considered tameh, the humra, because it could either be that it was a boy, it was a girl, so we're going to be mahmil as, as if it was a girl. And she has to be considered tamin, she has for the next two weeks, and then tam tohar, and then come to the bed of Mikdash, and so on. So here on that, uh, that set of halachot, Ula said in the name of Bilazar, if there's a sack that came out of the mother, a little bit on day one, a little bit on day two, meaning we're not sure exactly when it officially came out. So when do we start counting day one, Wednesday two, Wednesday three? And when are the 33 days up, 66 days up? So monin la minarishon, we count from the first day. Even though there's no blood, we still count from day one. Because when the sack came out, it's not because of blood, it's because there's no such thing as a sack without a child. There had to be a child over there, probably got crushed, we can't see it. And she has to be tameh mechumra because of that sack. Now, Amar there, why you hold it, you have to count from day one. The Humrah, because you want to be Mahmir, well, Humrah, that tell you it's a Humrah that you'll end up being lenient, meaning, you're going to be Tahor. Her Tahara days will start from day one, meaning her 33 days will be up and we're going to start counting on Monday, not Tuesday. And just in case it did officially come out on Tuesday, then we really should go one extra day for the 33. And So the rule is we're going to be mahmir, we're going to be strict. So we're going to, we're going to be suspicious of Tum'a day one, but we're not going to officially count until the next day, day two. So we're, not, we're going to be mahmir Monday, but we're going to officially start counting on Tuesday. So now the Gemara has a question. What's the Hidush here? Do you want to tell me? That there can't be a little bit of a sack coming out without a child coming out also. Well, Tani, now we have a Mishnah that says that. It says Shiliyasha Tzamikzata Asrala because Siman Velad Baisha Siman Velad Bivhema. This is in regards to Shechita of an animal. If the sack came out of the animal before the Shechita, then the entire uh, baby is Asur to be eaten. Even the part of the baby that was inside the mother during that shechita, it's a sure why because siman valad beisha siman valad bevhema. The sack is a siman that a baby came out. So we're worried that the majority of the animal came out. We're worried about the majority of the baby coming out. So bottom line is, you see, we have a Mishnah that says this. We don't need uh, this uh, halacha to tell me this. We don't need the uh, ulat to say this in the name of Bilazar. 
So the Gemara explains, If you only had a Mishnah, I mean, I would have thought, I would have told, listen, if a little bit of the sack comes out, I could say that maybe that there was no child there, right? And maybe the reason it's Asur is because it's a Humrah, that if I come to allow when a little bit of the sack came out, people might come to allow even when the entire sack came out and there's no baby, maybe they can allow it to eat. Taharot, maybe they're going to let her be Tahor. Or maybe we'll be able to eat the animal that we found inside without a Shaita. Kamash Ma'alan Ula wanted to tell us that there's no such thing as a little bit of a sack coming out without a child coming out. And therefore, if a little bit of a sack came out, whatever animal is there, it's as if it already came out. Same rule for a woman. If a little bit of a sack came out, we officially start counting the next day. So that was halacha number two, lesser in the name of Rabbi Lazar. Now we're up to number three. Amar Ula, Amar Rabbi Lazar, Bechor Shenitraf Betoch Shaloshim Yom and Podin Oto. A human Bechor, firstborn son, you're supposed to redeem him after 30 days. If he died within 30 days, you don't have to redeem him. Vechen Tane Rame Barhama, Rame Barhama taught the same thing. Betoch Shenimar, because it says Padot Ifde, Yechor Lafil Nitraf Betoch Shaloshim Yom. It says, Padot, if they double language, maybe even if he died within 30 days, I still have to redeem him. Tamud lomar, ach, chilek. That's why it says, ach, padot, if they, when that word, ach, is coming to split, that if he died under the age of 30 days, you don't have to redeem him. Number four, a big animal, like a cow, the way you buy it is by pulling it. Uh, but didn't we say that you have to just uh, pass or pass it over? So who Tana? So Bilazar holds like the following uh, shita, like Hachamim the following Baita Gasa, a big animal, small animal, you could buy with uh, by pulling. Rabbi Shimon says you have to actually pick it up. So Rabbi Lazar holds like the Hachamim in that Brayta. Number five, Ve'amar Ula Amar Bilazar Ha'achin Shehalku, brothers who split an inheritance, Ma Sha'alehin Shamim, whatever is on them, meaning clothing, jewelry that they took, they assess part of the inheritance, whatever they're splitting. But whatever is on their children, whatever the children are wearing, you don't have to assess because it's embarrassing to bring your kids to Betin and show what's on them. It's sort of there foregoing the whole situation for one another, meaning I won't make you bring your kids to Betin and you won't make me bring my kids to Betin. So now, based on this, the leaf brings down that you can assess Shabbat clothing because that's not actually on them. So anything that's not on them, you could actually bring the bet to assess. Very interesting, so yeah. And Amar of Papa, Pa'amim Afma Sha'alehin in Shamin. And of Papa says, even sometimes whatever's on them, whatever they're actually wearing, you don't assess. Mashkahatla Bigadol Aheh. We're talking about a situation where the, the biggest brother, meaning the head of the family, the one who deals with all the business stuff, the the brothers would rather him dress in nice fancy suits. This way, when he's doing business deals, people actually listen to him. They see he's a hashuv person. So the other brothers are forgoing that suit. Number six, a shomer, someone who accepted upon himself to watch over something, if he passed it over to someone else to watch over, 
patur. The first shomer is exempt if anything happened. And not just a free watchman who gave it to someone and paid him to watch it, which means his uh, his safeguarding became like on a much higher level because now he ha- he's getting paid to watch over it. He has to do a better job. And if anything happens, he'd be liable. But even if it's a Shomer Sakhar, paid watchman who gave it to a free watchman, which now he made the, the watching less, the security is now much less because it's a free watchman, and if anything happens, he just swears and he's free to go and have to pay. But still, Nami Patur. Why? Because he gave it over to someone competent who knows how to watch over things. And Rabbah argues he holds a Shomer who gave it over to someone else. The first person is Hayav. Not just a Shomer Sakhar who gave it to Shomer Hinam, a paid watchman who gave it to a free watchman, where he made the, the, the safeguard, he made he lowered the security, meaning if something happens, the Shomer Hinam just swears and he's free to go. But Rabbah holds, even if it's a free watchman who gave it to a paid watchman, which now heightened the level of security, still the first one is responsible and liable to pay. Because the owner could always say, listen, I gave it to you, I entrusted you because I trust you with the swear. I don't trust him with the swear. And number seven, if, a, if someone owes someone money, the creditor is allowed to take land. So then he, in that type of case, he would also be able to take slaves. And Amal Rav Nachman Ula and Rav Nachman asked Ula, Amal Bil Azar Filum Yatmeh, what Rabil Azar said that Jah takes slave that's even from Yatomim, that means even if the Yatomim fell into to the to the children as inheritance, are you allowed to take it also? Meaning are they like land all the way or not all the way? Land you could take from Yatomim even after the father died. But the movable property not. So what are they considered? So the Gemara answers, look. No, only Mineh. You're only allowed to take slaves that are under the actual debtor, not from his children. Mineh, afilu miglimada al So Nahman asks a question to Ula. What about from him? Are you allowed to take even the clothing he's wearing on his back? And Tosfot explains, Dafka, if, he's, if he has uh, two suits on, am I allowed to take one off? So Nahman explains, Hachabim askian, o apotiki. So the Gemara explains, no, over here is totally different. Over here, when he borrowed the money, he made the slaves an apotiki. Meaning that's the place you're going to extract the payment. Meaning he told him, okay, you come to me. If I don't have it, just uh, take this specific slave. And the Hidush from Nabil Azar is that Avadim are like movable property in that sense that if you made him an apotiki and you said that well, that's where you're going to get your payment from, you're allowed to come and take from that slave. And the idea is someone made his slave in Apotiki a place of extracting payment and then he sold the slaves. The creditor can come and take that slave wherever he is. However, if he made his ox the Apotiki and then he sold the ox the creditor cannot come take that ox. What's the difference? Because ha'it lekala ve'halit lekala. With the avid, if the master made him a potiki, everyone knows about it. 
And therefore, anyone who buys the slaves knows that there's a chance that this slave can be used to, to pay another loan. But with other movable property like uh, animals, it's, it's not one of those things that are known. And therefore, the person who bought the cow, there's no way of him knowing. And therefore, you cannot take that cow as payment. And the Gemara says, One Rav Nachman left, Ula told the people sitting there, This is what Rabbi Lazar said, You're allowed to take these slaves even from the Yatomim, meaning these slaves are considered like land all the way. As Rashi explained, it says, The slaves can be passed down as inheritance, inheritance like land inheritance, and therefore they have the same rules and you can just take them. And Amar of Nachman, Ishtametin Ula. And said, Ula ran away from me that he pulled that after I left. He knows that I hold that the slaves are like a movable property. And he got scared. I'm going to ask him a whole bunch of questions. Now, if anyone has a chance, there's an interesting mahlokit of you. According to Rashid, the mahlokit between Rav Nahman and Ula is, is Avadim like land or not in regards to all areas of halakha? Most Rishonim argue on Rashi and they say no. Even Ula would agree that slaves are like land. It's a it's a pasuk. It's all over Shas. The mahlukit is only in regarding to a creditor. When a creditor uh, plans to take money, is he thinking about the slave or not? Meaning, he, when he agreed to take land, land doesn't move. Land's not going to run away from me, and land is there to stay. And therefore, his mind was only on land. Slaves move around, and that's why Ayur of Nahman says he wasn't thinking about uh, slaves. On the other hand, Ula says, Listen, if they were compared to land, they're compared to land all the way. And we'll stop right here. Baruch Hashem, Amen, Amen.